for being here this morning, and thank you for setting your clocks ahead one hour so that you could be here uh, this morning at, at the right time. Uh, <clears throat> I will tell you that as I announced this, uh, this title, I uh, sent it to Mark, who so faithfully and diligently places these titles on the uh, marquee out, out front. It occurred to me when I drove by, finding relief, it sounded like we were going to have an antacid sermon this morning. But I, I want to tell you that is, uh, that is not the case at, at all. We're living in a world that is full of stress, that is for sure. I had a very interesting conversation and experience while I was in Houston last weekend for, for the meeting there. Uh, a lady that, that I've known, a sister in Christ, uh, came up to me with her six-year-old granddaughter. And uh, she was introducing her granddaughter to me, and uh, we were going through all of the niceties uh, about that and the wonder of grandchildren. And uh, uh, then she said to me, you know, uh, she came home from school this week and told me that she is just under a lot of stress. And I smiled, but the grandmother didn't smile. And I said, well, you know, school can be really stressful. She said, yes, she, she had a lot of uh, homework to do from, from her class, and, and uh, she wanted some help with it. And, and she told me she was just stressed out. And again, I smiled, and her grandmother did not smile. And I said, well, what was so stressful? And she said, well, she said, she told me, first of all, that she had to decide what she wants to be when she grows up. And she just didn't know, and she started going through this whole list of things. Do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a nurse? Do I want to be an astronaut? Do I want to be a mother? Do I want to be uh, a teacher? Do I, uh, do I want to be an accountant? Do, and, and she was going through, oh, I've just got to decide what I want to be. And her, her grandmother said, and I was trying to tell her, I think you have plenty of time uh, to, to think about those things, so don't worry so much. She said, yes, and she said, and that's not all. I, uh, my teacher told me, I have to decide when I grow up if I want to be a boy or a girl. Six years old. And the grandmother is staring a hole through me right now, and the six-year-old girl is standing there. And she said, well, honey, now you've given your grandmother stress. But uh, she said, let, let me just say to you, she said, you don't have to worry about that. She said, God decided a long time ago already that you're a little girl and you can just rejoice in that. She said, I'll tell you something. That's the way your grandmother started out as a little girl. I'm a big girl now, she said. I started out as a little girl and it is a wonderful and a beautiful life and you thank God for that. And uh, I am reminded this morning as we begin the lesson, we, we all have stress. And some things that stress the little ones are stressing the bigger ones, but in a different way. And we're living in a world that's changing rapidly. We're living in a, in a world that in, in many respects is going crazy all around us. 
we're, lear- we're living in a culture that is morally imploding. I almost said politically imploding. I, I don't know what we're doing politically. And, and the longer I live, the more I come to appreciate uh, where Habakkuk finally ended up when he said to God, things here are a mess and the political situation is a mess and, and, and the, the rulers are a mess and the people are a mess and, and God said, yes, and, and the Chaldeans are coming and, and Habakkuk realized that this is way above his grade level to understand or to control and he said, I finally decided that what I needed to know is that God is still on his throne. I'm going to let God be God, and I'll just be his servant. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are. And that's what we need to decide that we're going to do as we live our lives. I'm in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter this morning. Let me see if I have a bulletin with me that has the... Um, is Is this the ESV version in the bulletin? The English Standard Version... I generally read from the 1901 text, which is the uh, preferred translation of this preacher. But the ESV really has a good translation of this text. And uh, I will tell you, the ESV is a very fine translation of the text. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. I, I, I want to pause here and say something to you. We are not the first culture to live in the reality of stress. Stress has been around for a long time. I was doing some physical therapy this week, and the guy that was working with me, he finally stopped me, and he just stared a hole in in me. And then he said very sternly, what is wrong with you? And I said, my wife has been asking me that for years. (laughs) And he said, you are stressed out. You are so tense. You're going to hurt yourself here. What's wrong with you? I said, I I think it is the thing you just said, the, the stress thing. And he said, and what do you have to be stressed about? And so, I very I, by this time I'm a little embarrassed that I've been caught, you know. And so I, I began to go through my little list of things, things that I thought he could handle. I didn't want to tell him everything. Uh, so I, he's a young guy. I, I just so I just told him, a, started telling him a few things, and he said, "Stop, stop, stop." He said, "Let me remind you of something, big boy. That's life. That's life. And we all have it." And he said, uh, he said, my job, my job is to help you deal with the reality uh, of your physical health so that that doesn't become a distraction to you in dealing with all of the other things. Now get your mind on what we're doing. So we, w- we went back to... Uh, to what we were doing at that point. But I was reminded in that moment that what he said was very true. We all live with the stress of life. It's a common thing. The stress that we have, however, as Christians, 
is unique in one level, and that is we have a spiritual burden that we carry with us as the disciples of Christ with the privilege and the responsibility of getting the gospel message to the world. We have, we have a stress with that that the world doesn't have. It is an added stress, and it heaps coals of fire on our heads along with, with all of the other stress that we bear. He said, I, I want to tell you, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God so that you can be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as us. Now, I want you to note what Paul said. God is going to grant relief to the saints who were being afflicted, Paul said, as well as us. That word there is anesis. And it means relief. It means rest. It means when pressure is being applied, it means to let up on the pressure. Or if there is a rope or a chain that has been pulled very tight, it means to slacken up on the rope. Are the change. We, we have a lot of words in our language that have come to us from this word. Anesthesia, the relief from pain, anesthetic, anison, the pain reliever. What Paul is saying to the Christians in Thessalonica is I, I know you are hurting, I know that you are suffering. I want you to know that there is a righteous judgment of God. And let me point out something. What he's saying about this righteous judgment of God is that, yes, there is a judgment of God coming, but it is, it's right. It, 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 is, it is the righteous thing that this judgment is coming. And it's coming to those who afflict you. And there is going to be rest or relief from our affliction. That word shows up several times in the New Testament. If you have your New Testament with you, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And let me show you very quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says uh, to the Christians in Corinth, When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened unto me in the Lord, I had no relief. You see that word relief? It is the word anesis. I, I did not have this release from pain. I did not have this relief. I, I was under the pressure and, and the burden. Not, I, I was not released from it. Why not? He said, because I did not find Titus my brother. So taking my leave of them, I went forth immediately into Macedonia. Paul said, I got to Troas. Paul undoubtedly had intended to stay in Troas for a while. But Paul said, I just couldn't stay there. I couldn't stay. And the reason is, I had no relief in my spirit. No relief at all. Do, do you know what that's like? No relief in my spirit. And uh, I don't know about to, in your life, in my life, it, it's translated as... Uh, insomnia. 
lack of sleep, unable. It's not that I'm unable to go to sleep. I'm unable to stay asleep or to sleep for any long period of time. You know that Ecclesiastes 12 thing about the old man that can't sleep anymore and the, even the chirping of a bird wakes him? It's true, people. It's true. And the older you get, the truer uh, it becomes. So uh, the reality is when you are in emotional distress, you have the loss of sleep, you have the fatigue, the headaches, the muscle aches, the, the digestive issues, stomach issues, your, your mind is in overdrive. It just won't stop. And people talk about, well, I think I have attention deficit. I know I have attention deficit when I, when I get in that mode. I can't focus very long on any one thing because my mind is running in a hundred directions. And on top of all of that, there are the spiritual struggles and realities of life that we bear as the disciples of the Lord. And we struggle against the great deceiver, against the evil one, with temptation, with sin, with habitual sin, with our, uh, with our spiritual disciplines in life. Paul said, I want to tell you, when, when I came to when I came to Troas, I didn't have any emotional rest because I, I was in such turmoil because, uh, why? Because, he said, uh, Titus, my brother, wasn't there. He was supposed to be there. I was concerned for my loved one. This is one of my sons in the faith. He's my brother. I was uneasy. I was unsettled. I was in turmoil. It creates all kinds of problems. I want to tell you, there are things that create emotional distress in life that burden us, the hurts of life. Damaged relationships in life create all kinds of emotional pain and scars. The grief of death, of sickness and suffering and death, creates tremendous emotional distress, not just for the one dying, but especially for the loved ones who are having to deal with that. And sometimes an enormous sadness and darkness settles over the soul as, as a result of dealing with all this. Paul said, I want to tell you, when I came to Troas, I had no relief. And I'm saying to you folks, we understand that. We, we know what that means. That word, anesis, relief, also has to do not just with emotional distress, but, but it also means relief from grueling responsibilities, from massive responsibilities that are ongoing. Did you ever get a goldfish when you were little? That generally is about a two-week responsibility. I'm not going to say why, but it's usually about a two-week responsibility. Did you ever have a puppy? Oh, that's not a two-week responsibility. That one stretches out even more. Did you ever have a child? And no, I'm not comparing a goldfish to a child in that sense. I am comparing responsibility. The massive, at times, grueling responsibility of parenting a child. Remember the six-year-old in Houston? 
parenting a child in this present culture. Grueling responsibilities. Providing for our families. It doesn't end. You know, you go out and you work and you work and you work. And it's been a long week. And it's been a hard week. And you, you put in your hours and then some. And you came home late, night after night. And it's Saturday. And you had to work yet again. And now finally you get to the end of the week. You get the paycheck You can pay the rent, buy the food, make the car payment. You can provide for your family, (sighs) pay the bills for the week. You wake up on Monday morning and what? It's there again. It just starts over again. There are responsibilities in life that go on and on, and some of those responsibilities are not like remembering to feed the goldfish. Some of those responsibilities are massive responsibilities. And they have consequences that are absolutely enormous. In context, I'm looking now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. In context, Paul is talking about financial responsibilities. And he's encouraging... The Christians in Corinth to give liberally, cheerfully, graciously for the needy saints that are in uh, Jerusalem. But he said this. He said, now, I want to encourage you to do that. And and I want you to think about what the churches up in Macedonia did just to your north. They gave out of their poverty. They gave more than they were really able to give. They gave till it hurt. Paul said, now, I I want to encourage you to give. But he said, I want you to remember something. What, What I'm saying to you is that you should give to the saints, but not, not a responsibility. I'm not giving you a command to do something you're not able to do. I'm talking about Every man give according to what he has, not according to what he doesn't have. You see that in verse 12. In verse 13, because I say this, not that others may be eased. There's your word, anesis. And it refers to, he said, I'm saying this, not so these other people can just sit back and have the good life while you're working like a slave and doing without trying to support them who are doing... It's not about that, but I'm saying to you the principle we're dealing with here are the realities of life, the stress of life. And sometimes the stress of financial, huge, overbearing, uh, gargantuan financial responsibilities that are just weighing us down, sometimes those things become extremely difficult for us to bear. It doesn't end. Paul said, if a man doesn't work and provide for his own, he's denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, he said, if a man doesn't work, neither does he eat. In Ephesians 6, he said, it's not just that you have to provide for your family physically, materially. It is 
that you have to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You have spiritual responsibilities there as well. And not just to your family, but to others. And I'm saying that sometimes these massive responsibilities begin to wear us down. And then we desire at times just to be relieved from the the prison of life in which we find ourselves. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul is under arrest. He, He is making his way to Rome. He has appealed to Caesar. But the instructions were, Felix gave these instructions to the Roman guards who were taking care of Paul. And the text says, he gave order to the centurion that Paul should be kept in charge and should have indulgence. Do you see that word indulgence? Maybe your translation inferior to the 1901. Maybe your translation has another word there. Uh, The word is anesis. It's the same word. Rest, relief indulgence he should have indulgence don't forbid any of his friends to minister to him now what is the idea the idea is relief from the things that constrain us that restrain us i want to ask you something in your life do you ever feel like you've been boxed in in life and you can't get out do you ever feel like you're just trapped in your life and it's, it's like the proverbial hamster, you know, who's on the treadmill. He's just running, 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 and he's not going anywhere, and he can't go anywhere. Bound and chained. It may be for some, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Peter chapter 3, it may be for some that they feel trapped in a difficult marriage. How easy it would be. If you were a pagan and you had come to taste the riches of God's goodness in Christ, you'd become a Christian. How easy it would be just to walk away from that pagan, unbelieving man or walk away from that pagan, unbelieving woman and just live your life without that person holding you back, constantly traumatizing you, constantly antagonizing you, constantly working against you spiritually. How much easier it seems it would be if you could just walk away from that. But you are trapped because you stood up and opened your mouth and said, I take you to be my lawful wedded spouse, husband, wife, for better or for worse. Nobody has a problem staying with the one for, the, for better. If you've got the for better part, bless you. If you perceive that you got the for worse part. What are you going to do? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Peter chapter 3, he said, the answer is not to turn around and walk out. You don't do that. You stay. Sometimes we feel trapped in our marriages. Sometimes we feel trapped in our jobs. They don't like it because we got old. You all know that Timothy is a lot younger than me. I think about that a lot. We get old. 
and we wonder if they want us anymore. We're limited by our age. We're limited by our experience. We're limited by our education. We wonder if there's something else for us. We feel trapped. Where we're, that sometimes we feel a prisoner in our own diseased body. God gave us this body, and it's diseased, it's broken, it's damaged. What, what are you going to do? Order a new one? The feeling of helplessness that comes with that. The anesthesis that we're looking for is the release from all of these things that box us in, that hold us in, that restrict us. Now, here's what Paul said. He said, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those that afflict you and to grant relief to you. Praise God that He has promised to grant relief to His children to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the God. Let, let me say something to you. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, is it going to be for us rest or wrath? Is the anesis finally going to be delivered or is it wrath? I'm saying to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, the wrath of God is real. Somebody says, I, I really don't like that concept, that biblical concept of the wrath of God. I don't, I don't like to think about it. I'm not even sure that I believe it. I want to say something to you this morning. It doesn't change the truth of it one bit. Not one bit. Somebody says, well, I'll tell you what, I, 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 this, this life has worn me down. I, I have been worn down e emotionally. I have been worn down by the responsibilities. I have taken care of kids and grandkids and problems and sick people. And I, 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 I have been boxed into my own body with these ailments and, and this disease. And, and now my mom is, in, in a sense... My mom is in a situation where I think about this often because mentally, because of the Alzheimer, my mom doesn't know. And she is there, but she, she doesn't know. And I'm thinking, what is it like? What does she really think? I love to see her smile. I love to hear her laugh. I love to have some kind of indication of joy in her heart and in her life, but it's just so hard. She's trapped in there, and the line of communication has been broken for the more. Who wants to live like that? Everybody wants to be released from that, but I'm saying to you, somebody say, I, I just, I just want to die. It'd just be better to die, and I want to say to you this morning, a person doesn't go to heaven just because they die. They go to heaven because they die in the Lord. The anesis is promised to those who are in Christ. They are the ones who will find the relief, who will be granted the blessing, who will be glorified 
in the Lord with his saints. Aren't you glad about that? Don't you look forward to that? And this morning as we think about what we're dealing with in life, some of the things that we whine about, whine about, are trivial things. And we allow ourselves to get all worked up about them. That's not good. Some of the things that we deal with in life are huge. And they are heartbreaking and they are burdensome. And all of that, the little things and the big things, have to do with life under the sun. The promise of God is that it's not going to be that way forever. And that relief, as it were, relief is in sight. Wow. We, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The worst feeling in the world is to be in the dark tunnel and you can't see any way out. The Apostle Paul was showing them the light at the end of the tunnel. There is Jesus. He has gone on before us. He is there. He's coming again. He's coming again to give relief to those who are suffering, to those who are afflicted. He's coming to be glorified in His saints. That will be us. It will be a glorious day. And what a deliverance that will bring. And in view of that, the Apostle Paul said, the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to usward. What a day that's going to be. And that ought to sustain us. It ought to compel us. It ought to motivate us to keep on keeping on. And if you're here this morning and not a Christian, surely you want that hope in your life. And if you're a child of God and you need to come back home so that you can reclaim that hope, won't you come right now while we stand and sing?